Yes. We're at on Sunday nights. Book of Amos, chapter 2. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom into lime. But I will send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the palaces of Kirioth. And Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting, and with sound of the trumpet. And I will cut off uh, the judge from the midst thereof, and will slay all the princes thereof, thereof with him, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept his commandments, and their lies caused them to err, after which their fathers have walked. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word tonight, and I thank you that, that we can walk with you along this journey, and, and uh, how we need that every day. And, we're thankful to lay our, our burdens before you as we've just done in prayer. And God, there are uh, trials and troubles and heartaches in this life, but we thank you for the comfort that you give and the strength that you give, Father. And we just uh, we do pray that upon these that are in these, these times of trial. Uh, Father, I look to you tonight. I ask for the filling of your spirit to minister uh, your word uh, to your people. I pray uh, for Lisa with the kids tonight. Bless her. Fill her with your spirit, <clears throat> Father, with Isaiah there, and uh, bless that time. Thank you for the good services this morning for all that came who were here with us and also with us online. And God, our heart's desire is always that, that people would come to know you through salvation, that Christians would walk with you and know the comfort and peace and the filling of your spirit that you give, that we might be lights. And, Father, we, we know how good it is to walk with you, and we desire uh, others to know that, Lord. Our hearts long to see more know that. So, Father, please help us and use us in that regard. And Father, we place the need of a building before you here, and uh, we, we need one. And, and uh, frankly, we, we just need, it seems, miracles to move this through. And Father, do your will. We will look to you and, and help us to be faithful in, in where you guide us. Uh, speak to us afresh and anew tonight. Might we be encouraged by your spirit and your word tonight and, and by the fellowship that we have one with another, by the hope of eternal life, uh, which you have promised and cannot lie. And so uh, we, we wait patiently for that. Help us to be faithful, looking for your return. Uh, Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right, so we looked at Amos last week. We saw that Amos was a herdman of Tekoa, and God called him to pretty much announce what he was about to do in the realm of the civilized world. <laughs> He was, uh, there were some uh, judgments that have come due, some uh, cups that are full, so to speak, of, uh, of uh, time for God to do some earthly judgments on nations and such. And so he chooses Amos, uh, uh, 
shepherd of Tekoa to uh, pronounce these judgments that are coming. And we, uh, he was very uh, specific on those judgments, those uh, uh, Gentile uh, nations and kingdoms there, and uh, give some specific instances. We went through uh, all of those last week in, in chapter 1, in the ones, in the ones that were addressed and, and how, uh, how uh, God, uh, God used that. We were reminded that God's in control. He's in control of all kingdoms. And so he works in that regard. We were reminded that he's merciful. It was what? For three transgressions and for four. Uh, and so he's waiting till, uh, till the cup's full. Uh, time to repent is over. And g- given space to repent, just as uh, those uh, sinning in the church sinning in the book of Revelation was, allowing false prophets to be within the church, giving them space to repent and uh, waiting uh, the mercies of the Lord. But the Lord is just. Judgment will come in the measure that, uh, that is just and righteous. Uh, and he's no respecter of persons. He takes Amos and uses him uh, as a prophet, and uh, and God God uh, God will will use him. And so he continues here. We had uh, uh, one more uh, uh, Gentile kingdom here, Moab, uh, that Amos uh, addresses here in chapter two uh, and uh, and verse one. And he uh, points out the incident of. Uh, uh, the event of uh, not turning away the punishment because he had uh, burned the bones of the king of Edom um, into lime. And so there's a severe hatred, apparently, uh, toward this king of Edom. What might this be speaking of? Well, sometime in the past, we might remember in Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 4 that Misha, king of Moab, the Bible says, was a sheep master. By the way, there's that other place that word herdman is used in the Bible, the Hebrew word. And here it's, it's pronounced herdman and Amos. It, I mean, it's, it's translated herdman and Amos. It's translated sheepmaster here in, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 4. Uh, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheepmaster and, and rendered unto the king of Israel an hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams with the wool. Uh, so uh, at this time, Ahab is king. And Moab is in subjection to, uh, to Israel in the northern kingdom. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria the same time and numbered all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, uh, uh, saying, The king of Moab hath rebelled against me. Wilt thou go out with me against Moab to battle? And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art. My people is thy people. My horses are thy horses, as thy horses. And he said, which way uh, shall we go up? And he answered, the way through the wilderness of Edom. So now Edom's going to get involved. Uh, so the king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. Uh, and they fetched a compass of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the hosts and for the cattle that followed them. So the story goes on, and we're told that they, they contact Elisha. Elijah pretty much sees the, uh, the king of Israel there, uh, Jehoram, Ahab's son, and, and, uh, and, uh, but he sees Jehoshaphat also, and, Ahab, and Elijah pretty much almost says, you know, I, I wouldn't even talk to you if, if Jehoshaphat wasn't with you, uh, but since he's with you, and so Elijah talks with him, and they, uh, the armies had run out of water, they're on their way uh, to, uh, uh, to bring Moab back under subjection. 
Israel and uh, Judah and Edom now. And so what does uh, Elijah, Elisha tell them? He says, dig some ditches in the, in the valley there. And what does God do? God fills the ditches with water. So all the hosts that are, that are going on this venture uh, can be watered and, uh, and, and, and go on their journey. Verse 21 of 2 Kings 3 continues, And when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor and upward and stood in the border. You almost get like this is like a kind of a last second gathering together. Everybody, everybody to, you know, to the border and, and uh, whatever you can fight with. And they rose up early in the morning and, and the sun shone upon the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is blood. The kings are surely slain. And they have smitten one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. Uh, something like that had happened in previous battles, so the Moabites didn't see why it couldn't be uh, in their favor this time. Uh, so uh, they go on. They said in verse 24, they came to the camp of Israel, and the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites so that they fled before them. Uh, but they went uh, forward, smiting the Moabites, even in their country. So the Moabites retreat quickly, it seems. But, but, uh, but now Israel and Judah and Edom are what? Fleeing after them. They're, going, they're, they're, they're pursuing after them as they flee. So, uh, uh, and uh, they, uh, Judah, Israel, and Edom, they beat down the cities. And on every, every good piece of land, cast every man his stone and filled it. And they stopped all the wells of water and felled all the good trees. Only in Kerhereseth left they the stones thereof. Howbeit the slingers went about and smote it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too sore for him, he took him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom. He's going after the king of Edom. Uh, uh, but they could not. Couldn't get through. Then he took the el the, then he uh, the king of Moab took his eldest son that should have reigned in his stead and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. And they Israel, uh, Judah, and Edom departed from him, the king of Moab, and he returned uh, and returned to their own land. So they had this battle, and, and, uh, and some would uh, say that sometime after this, this battle, this, this grievous loss of, of Moab to this, this, this confederacy that had come against him, that the king of Moab perhaps killed the king of Edom, and uh, then added the indignation of actually burning his bones. Uh, some uh, think that the king of Moab dug up the king of Edom's grave and then burned his bones. Others think that may, he may have actually burned him alive. Uh, the facts are we don't know the details. But it's obvious that God saw this action as a last straw to tip the scales of judgment. Because, because of that action, uh, God's uh, judgment is going to come on Moab and it will not be turned back. Moab will be destroyed. Uh, Josephus tells us, uh, that, uh, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, eventually uh, conquered uh, uh, Moab. And uh, after that, uh, the, uh, the Bedouin tribes, uh, the desert tribes and such from the east, the, after that, the borders of the kingdom of Moab were weakened and the desert tribes began to infiltrate the area and just uh, slaughter them and they, and they eventually spread out 
uh, and you went into to Judah and other places that were conquered and other lands that were conquered. And uh, as a matter of fact, after that time, uh, Moab was never again uh, regathered um, as, uh, as, a, uh, as, as a kingdom. Some believe that this judgment upon Moab uh, happened uh, during the time of Jeroboam II, which, by the way, is the time that Amos is, pro is prophesying uh, during the reign of Jeroboam. You might remember God, even though Jeroboam was wicked, what? God still showed some kindness to Jeroboam. We read about that when we studied Jonah in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 14 and 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. That's the Jeroboam in, 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 in Israel uh, in the time that Amos is prophesying. He reigned 41 years. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Geth Hefer. So some believe that it was when Israel expanded their borders once again, they got, they got a victory over Moab, uh, and, was, uh, and was, uh, Moab was conquered in that way then. Their borders were weakened through that rather than Nebuchadnezzar. And then the, uh, I've, in the study that I found, multiple sources uh, agree, say that the, 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 the desert people, the, the Bedouin tribes and stuff, did come in uh, and force them out of the land and scatter them. There's disagreements as, as to who weakened them. Was it Israel or was it Babylon? Josephus' record uh, records Babylon, but there are not a, other, a lot of other records besides Josephus that record that. Uh, others record uh, that uh, possibly is Israel here. Either way, after this judgment, Moab is dispersed and scattered and, uh, and are not gathered together as a kingdom uh, anymore. And so we see uh, that, God's word, uh, that God's word will stand. Amos is a little different than the other prophets as we study him. If you notice reading in Ezekiel uh, and uh, Isaiah and others, uh, when they bring these uh, judgments upon the world, God also spoke to them about what, how he was going to judge the civilized world during their times, and, and many of those, of course, overlapping what we're seeing here. Uh, but uh, when they would prophesy, they would prophesy to the Gentile nations first. You read that in Isaiah, you find that in Jeremiah, they go down through this, and then at the end, they'll come to, they'll come to Jude in Jerusalem. We have Amos putting the Gentiles, to the, uh, putting, the, putting the Gentile nations first and then Judah last. And so, uh, so we see that. I guess they, they would put, I think I misspoke, they, put, they would put Judah and Israel first, Isaiah and, and, those, and the Gentile nations last. You find the, the, the gent, all the prophecies to the Gentiles at the end of those books. And, uh, but, but Amos, what does he do? He puts the Gentiles first. Uh, and uh, we're not sure why. But you can, uh, you can listen, you can almost see the hearers, uh, uh, Judah and Israel. Yeah, that's right. You know, let, the, let, them, let, let them Ammonites have it. And uh, you know, let those down at you know, Tyre have it, all these that have persecuted us. And, and, uh, and on and on. You can almost hear them cheering through chapter 1, you know. And then Amos gets down to business and say, oh, by the way, judgment's coming in your lap. Uh, judgment's coming in your lap because God is no respecter of persons when it comes to sin, is he? Uh, and, uh, and he's going to judge Israel and Judah for their sins as well. Now, Amos will focus mainly on the northern kingdom, 
But I'm going to take the time tonight just to address a little bit about Judah. He only spends this one paragraph on Judah here. Then he'll go into the northern kingdom. And he spends most of his prophecy as far as Israel and Judah goes regarding the northern kingdom. But he pronounces this judgment upon Judah. And he's not going to turn away the punishment thereof because they have despised the law of the Lord, not kept his commandments. And their lies caused them to err after which their fathers have walked. Now, what would those lies be? Well, we studied that recently, didn't we? Lies are idolatry. Lies are anything that you're trusting in apart from the truth of God. And uh, uh, whatever you're uh, living by, whatever truth you think it is that you need to live by apart from the word of God is a what? It is a lie that is deceiving you and taking you away from God. And uh, in Judah's case, it was their idols and the false religions and stuff that had risen up. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, Amos was prophesying during the time of Jeroboam and Uzziah. Now, Uzziah, he was a godly king. There was a revival in, uh, uh, under Uzziah. I mean, he built up Jerusalem and built the towers and the engines and that shot great stones and arrows. And, and uh, I mean, this was a godly king. He had the one little mistake trying to go into the temple like a priest, but, but you know, we all uh, have our faults, I guess. But he was a godly king. There was a revival there. What, what, what's going on there? Well, as we've mentioned before, uh, Judah, also the northern kingdom, it, both kingdoms immediately at the parting uh, pretty much went astray. Uh, they'd gone astray uh, before, the end of, before the end of Solomon's reign. And we'll look at some of the ways in which they, they, they had done that. In 1 Kings eleven seven, at the end of Solomon's reign, then did Solomon build a high place for Kamosh, the abomination of Moab. There he is. Uh, worshiping the same way the ones again, that we just talked about that God's going to destroy. Then did Solomon uh, build a uh, an high place for Kamosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, and for the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives. Stop down and try, stop for a moment and try to figure that out sometimes. How many wives did he have? 400 or something like that? I wonder how many different gods they have. I wonder what Jerusalem looked like by the time he got done building all those high places. By the way, there probably weren't too, weren't too many wives that got left out. You know, well, you know, she got she got she got a hill and she she got a place to worship over there. What about my God? You know, and uh, there probably weren't too many that got left out. Okay, and so what's he do? He basically makes 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 it makes Jerusalem a pantheon. You can go there and worship and find a worship place for any god you want. That was in the reign and uh, ending the reign of King Solomon. His his son comes along, Rehoboam. Uh, he reigned in Judah, First uh, Kings fourteen twenty one, forty one years old, reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, uh, and uh, and uh, and his mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus, and Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they had committed above all that their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and images and groves on every high hill and under, under, under every green tree. So Rehoboam continues that and uh, uh, goes on there. Oh, and there were also sodomites in the land. Now we've got some of that false uh, uh, worship and stuff in there, even that, uh, that abomination. They did according to the abomination of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. So Solomon, uh, Rehoboam, and then uh, we saw a battle uh, starting out with Jehoshaphat 
who was a godly man. Well, uh, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, comes along, and uh, he was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way, here it is, of the kings of Israel, uh, Jehoshaphat's son, like as did the house of Ahab. For he had the daughter of, for he had the daughter of Ahab uh, uh, to wife. And so, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Jehoram is the one who, the, the, yeah, the son of Jehoshaphat. He walks away the way of the king of Israel, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife. And who was that? Well, her name was Athaliah, okay? And uh, uh, remember, Jehoshaphat, one of his uh, weaknesses was he, would, uh, he, he was an ally to the ungodly. He joined with, uh, with the northern kingdom multiple times uh, and suffered for it. Obviously, one of the ways he had allied that was he got one of their daughters for his son. For, for his son, that's what they would do. And so, uh, and so uh, Jehoram has, is married to uh, Athaliah. And he wrought that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. But the Lord wouldn't destroy the house, uh, wouldn't, would not destroy them because of the house of David, the covenant that he had made with them. And so we see that. Uh, and then we find out that, uh, that uh, Jehoram and, and Athaliah have a son named Ahaziah. And he's also a lover of the northern kingdom. He goes over to help uh, the, out the king of Israel in a battle with Syria, just like Jehoshaphat went to help Ahab in a battle with Syria. Well, the king of Israel gets wounded in that battle, just like Ahab did. The difference is, the other, this, guy, this guy lived, Ahab didn't. Uh, but anyway, Ahaz goes with, with this king of Israel to battle against Syria, and the king of Israel gets wounded, and Ahaz, Ahaziah goes over to visit him and see how he's doing. Guess who comes along to purge uh, uh, Israel of the house of Ahab? Jehu. He comes along slaying the, the, king, uh, the, the family of Ahab and such, and Ahaziah is over there having a, having a get-together with him. And, and, and so who does Jehu take out? He takes out Ahaziah. Uh, uh, and uh, Ahaziah, Athaliah's son. Uh, Athaliah and Jehoram's son. What does Athaliah do? She finds out Ahaz, Ahaz, that her son Ahaziah is dead, and she kills uh, the rest of the seed royal that she can find, except for one that's hid, Joash, and, uh, and, and she reigns as a wicked queen you know, for, for a while there in, in Judah. So we can see <laughs> there's a whole lot of hurt and stuff going on in Judah uh, as well, and, and, and a lot of departing from the Lord. Uh, remember Jehoiada, the priest. Uh, there was a there was a woman that hid young Joash in in, in the temple there, and Athaliah apparently didn't darken the doors of the temple too much, so so they were able to hide hide Joash in the temple. And I was kind of laughing when I think about that. But uh, but uh, Jehoiada, the priest, you know, they, they they raise him up. I think it's seven years old and stuff, and and uh, and they eventually make Joash king. And they of course they dethrone Athaliah and uh, and. Uh, and uh, we think about that. And, and, but when Joash got older and Jehoiada passes away, the Bible says, after the death of Jehoiada, 2 Chronicles 24, 17, uh, came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king, and the king hearkened unto them. That's Joash. Uh, and they left the house of the Lord God and their fathers and served groves, and idols, we're hearing that phrase a lot, aren't we? Groves and idols, and the wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people, and said unto them, 
Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandment of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they, uh, Joash and his uh, followers, conspired against him and stoned him with stones, a prophet of the Lord, at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. That's how bad it had got in, in, in Judah. And we see it, we see it, uh, we see it uh, time again. What else did uh, Joash do as he uh, continued to reign? 2 Kings 12, 7. He took all the hallowed things uh, that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, his father's king of Judah, had dedicated, and his own hallowed things, and all the gold that was found in the treasure of the house of the Lord and in the king's house, and sent it to Hazael, king of Syria, and he, and he went away from Jerusalem. Why? Because he had no power to call upon God. He wasn't living for God. And so when Syria came along, he, like, like other backslidden kings, he paid them off. You know, empty the temple. I give him all the gold. Give him whatever he wants. Just so go away. That's what Joash did. And uh, we can see why God, well, God was grieved and why, you know, why, why, judgment, uh, why judgment would have to come. The judgment of Judah uh, was strong. Jeremiah 52.5 So the city was besieged under the 11th year of uh, King Zedekiah, uh, I counted that out, comes out to about about a year and a half or so that they were seized to the point to where they were they were starving to death. In the fourth month, in the ninth, ninth day of the month, the famine was sore in the city, so there was no bread for the people of the land. The city was broken up, and all the men of war fled and went out of the city by night. By the way, the gate between two walls, which was by the king's garden, the Chaldeans were by the city round about, and they went uh, by the way of the plain. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued after the king. That's King Zedekiah. And what did they do? They took the king and carried him up to the king of Babylon. He's in Riblah, this time in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He slew all the priests of Judah in Riblah. Then put he out the eyes of Zedekiah. What cruelty. Guess what the last thing you're going to see is. That's the last thing you're going to remember seeing. And then I'm going to put your eyes out. And that's what he did. Uh, and he bound him in chains and carried him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. And what they do, they burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men, burned he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down all the walls of Jerusalem uh, round, round about. So they burned it, uh, burned it with fire. And... Uh, I will send a fire upon Judah. It shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, so God was going to judge even his people uh, for sinning against them. And I had noted going through this as the heathen were judged here in, in these first chap in, the, in, in chapter 1 and then the, Moab, the Moabites in the beginning of chapter 2 and then Judah. You look at God's judgments upon the heathen uh, that the heathen are judged for a specific uh, God points out a specific crime, a specific transgression, a, a specific uh, event that tilted the, that seems to tip the scale for that judgment to come, and we see that for all of those heathen nations that we went that we went down through, uh, and uh, but yet when it comes to Judah, he doesn't point out a specific event. What does he say? He says simply to Judah. For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof because they have despised the law of the Lord. They have despised the law 
of the Lord. And I thought, wow, as we overview that, that fits right in with how God works in the world. Romans 1 talks about God judging the world. And uh, in Romans chapter 1, and uh, in Romans chapter 1, we find that the heathen in Romans uh, 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 chapter uh, 1 and verse uh, uh, 17 and such, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. The wrath of God is revealed against, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Why? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but what they do, neither were thankful, became vain in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And here it is. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. All those nations that we saw judged all the way through Moab had idols. They all had the knowledge of God that God was the creator. They all had the, re the reason of conscience that, that, that I, just, I just cut down this tree and, and, and I just used part of it to cook my meal and part of it to keep me warm and now I'm going to cut up the rest of it and make it a god. And they all had, had rejected that light. And so uh, they were justly condemned for that. And yet God is merciful and he points out I'm going, to give them, I'm going to give them a chance to repent. But then he draws a line and gives us the events whereby their time was up and their, and their judgment came. The heathen are, condemned, uh, for, heathen are condemned for rejecting the light of creation. Then in Romans chapter uh, 2, God goes on to the moral heathen. See, some, some of the heathen out there don't believe in God. Uh, they believe they're not, so, not, they're not so bad as the other heathen. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, well, you know, I don't believe, you know, in 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 any god, but but I'm a good moral person compared to who, by whose standards? And Romans two talks, Romans one talks about that. Therefore, thou inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. We are sure the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, that doest the same, that thou should escape the judgment of God? See, the heathen judging the other, the heathen he thinks are worse than him, or her, we want to look at that. What are they thinking? They're making assessments in their conscience, in their mind. And they, they're building up this thing that, you know, they have some morality built up in their mind. But what else do they have in their conscience? A conscience of their own sin. They have a conscience of their own guilt. You see, they know right well they have guilt too. They, they can say, he's worse than me all day long, but their own conscience says, well, you've done wrong too. Uh -huh. Their own conscience says, you're, you've got problems too. You know very well in your heart that you've done things wrong, and God says, and you think I'm going to excuse you when you know that? You're thinking about a perfect God. You think just because you think your sins aren't as bad as theirs and your own conscience tells, me, tells you that you have sinned, you think I'm going to let you go just because of that? <laughs> Obviously not. So their own conscience uh, 
condemns them uh, trying to do that. But then what happens when God gets to Judah? Uh, God gets to the Jews in Romans. Romans 2.17. Thou art called a Jew, and here it is, and restest in the law. You've been given the law. You've been given the commandments. And makest thy boast of God. Knowest his will. Approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. Well, I'm a Jew. God gave us the law. And so the Holy Spirit says, okay, let's, let's, let's run with that for a while. Let's think about that. You've been given this law. You're confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit iniquity, dost thou commit iniquity? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God. See, what did God hold Israel to? You say you have the law? Okay, how you doing? Have you kept it? <laughs> Your own conscience condemns you. See, what happens, is, what happens here? The more light you have, the more you're responsible for God didn't need to adjust you to anything else. They had taken his law lightly. That was their major problem. See, they had, they had the extra light of the law. And so God mentions, you've despised my law. Enough said. Enough said. That's enough. And, uh, and uh, when, we, when we receive the light of the word, what? We are responsible for it. Amen? And, uh, and so, so God uh, <clears throat> then uh, goes on without mentioning any specific incidents uh, in Judah and says and uh, you've despised my law that's sufficient and, uh, and here's the judgment that's going to come and I think of uh, I think of uh, you know, we had the Jews given the law and such and then of course uh, uh, the coming of Christ was, was, was uh, prophesied and, and, and preached and taught all, uh, all the, the Messiah all through the Old, Old Testament uh, the prophets told of the salvation that was coming Salvation's always been by faith in the Messiah that was, uh, that was coming, and now, we, now it's faith uh, looking back toward him and looking to, forward to his coming. It's always been through faith in the, in the Messiah. But now what? We have more light. We actually, they didn't know who the Messiah was. They didn't understand all the details of his coming and how this is all going to work together. How is he going to reign as king and, and suffer at the same time? You know, the, 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 the Old Testament kind of merged the two comings together into one and some of those problems. How does that all work out? We know now. <laughs> We know now, and the light has come. And so what are we responsible for? Well, we have a greater responsibility now, even, even than they had then. Uh, we've, we saw, we, we see, we'll see that in 2 Thessalonians uh, 2.9 coming up here. Uh, and the Bible talks about the days of the Antichrist coming and such in 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, here it is, because they receive not what? The love of the truth that they might be saved. <laughs> There's the ultimate right there. You know, we have conscience, we have creation, we have the law, but God says now, now world, you have the love of the truth. You have the love of the truth. And you are responsible to receive my love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You have the responsibility 
to obey the command which says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The world has that responsibility and will be condemned for rejecting it. For rejecting it. Uh, judgment according to light received. Luke 12, 47. The servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For, un for whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Now, there's a, a principle here. To whom much is given, much is required. I think about the light that God lives, how he leads people to repentance. Uh, from the beginning of time, he's been doing that. Progressively revealing himself through the scriptures and the prophets. And what does John 3 tell us about that? Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. What light? Whatever lights God sent them. Doing evil is the choice they've made. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. When the light comes to you, you've got a choice. Flee. <laughs> I always think of Florida <laughs> like the cockroaches when you turn on the light. They, they, they flee. You know, if, you, if you're in a room with a lot, they, 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 they scatter. You know. When the light comes, what do you do? Are you drawn to the light or are you going to flee? Uh, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. Lest his deeds should be reproved. They've chosen their deeds over the light. They've chosen to hang on to their deeds. But he that doeth truth, that's the person that's going to yield to the light. He that doeth truth, that's the person that's seeking God. That is uh, searching, that God is drawing, uh, and they are not uh, shutting themselves off from that. They're not hardening their hearts to that. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are rod and God. God is working that out. Uh, I think about that. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or, or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be what? More tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Why is that? Because that city had just received a visit from the apostles. All Sodom and Gomorrah had was Lot. <laughs> and he wasn't a very good light. Albeit he was a just man. He was a man of faith. He, he had trusted in the God of Israel. But God said, Hmm, your light? And, and Sodom and Gomorrah's light. <laughs> Going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. Say, go into detail about that preacher. I can't. God didn't, God, God didn't give us the details there. He just told us it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because all they had was Lot. You had my disciples. And see, it's some people think it's going to be based on, oh, the, you know, uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and, and, and these, these children murderers and, and all these wicked, you know, Hitler. They're the ones that are going to have the worst judgment. I don't think so. I think it's going to be on how much light did you reject? Everyone who's judged, uh, who's judged eternally will have rejected light. That, uh, that's for sure. But it's going to be based, I believe, on the amount, uh, on the light that you rejected. Uh, uh, Matthew eleven twenty three, And now Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. 
For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. Sodom would have repented if they got what you got. That's what Jesus is saying there. So what do you mean, what do you mean preacher? Well, that, that tells me that Sodom could have repented. <laughs> they didn't, but they could have. And Jesus says, in fact, if they had got the light that you had, they would have repented. Was God indebted to give them that light? No. Because they could have repented with the light that they got. You see, he's not indebted to do that. But he makes, it, but he makes this known. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Capernaum. Uh, be that now. He says, uh, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon are the same thing. If I'd have done in them in what I did in you, they would have repented. That, that, uh, that, uh, that goes against the doctrine of Calvinism. Because Dr. Calvin says that if you're not the elect, you can't repent. It's impossible for you to repent. Uh, because God gives you that saving faith. And so, and by the way, if God's going to save you, you're the elect, God will give you that saving faith. So, if Tyre and Sidon are lost in, in, the, in that teaching, that means there's no way that they could have ever repented. They were never the elect. But Jesus says what? They would have repented if they'd have got that teaching. They would have. But they didn't get that. And, uh, and it's going to be more tolerable for them in some way in the judgment than for those, those who got more. God's going to work all those things out, folks. And we don't have to know all the details of that. And uh, uh, one of those things about, uh, about, God, uh, about the, the mystery of God to me is, is, is how does he work his sovereign will, uh, the, and, and, he inter, and he intertwines and interweaves that, allowing the free, the free will of man. How does he do that? That's where the mystery lies to me. And, uh, and guess what? I don't have to figure that out. Uh, he's taken uh, our choices into consideration. He knows our choices. He knew every choice we would make uh, before he created the world. And by the way, uh, yeah, he can direct our choices. He can make, he can take some steps uh, uh, to uh, uh, to see that that I'll choose this or choose that. He can do that. Well, uh, doesn't he do that? Doesn't he do? Doesn't he do that for as far as salvation? Doesn't say it does anywhere in this book that he does. Doesn't, doesn't, if if he did, it doesn't say that in here. <laughs> There's nowhere it says that. And so we 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 believe that what. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. So we believe things like God is not willing that any should perish, but what? But that all should come to repentance. And that all still comes into play. He's working all those things out. He's figured, that's an amazing thing to me. God who can get his will done and yet allow me to harden my heart against him or receive him is a mystery. That's, an, that's, an, that's a hard thing to understand, understand than the other. And uh, to me, that makes him a greater God. And, uh, and by the way, it also is true to his character uh, because he is, uh, the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. And in the context of that statement, it's talking about who he condemns. 
he's no respecter of persons. Uh, no, he, there's no picking of who, as far as God's concerned, of who's saved uh, and who's lost. Uh, he's, he's made a way for everybody. And he sends light for everybody. He may send more to others and less to others. These over here might have repented if they got more light. God could have, in that sense, made them repent by sending them more light. But God's not in the business of making us repent, okay? He's in the business of, he's in the business of making us able to repent. No man can come to me, what? Except the Father which has sent me draw him. And when I draw him, he can come. Or not. <laughs> And, and, and that's, where, that's where we stand. That, that, that's, that, that's the amazing thing of God. And I, but I'm glad, I do believe, that God, as I mentioned before, makes it hard for us to say no. Remember what Jesus said to Paul? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It, it's hard for you to keep saying no to me, Saul. I'm going and going. I'm sending Stephen to testify of this grace before you. It's hard, Paul. How do you keep doing that? Yet Paul what? Finally repents. Fine. Could he have repented earlier? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But God brings him in, doesn't he? He, he eventually repents. And, uh, and, uh, and God, uh, God just, like, uh, just like anyone, honor, honors that faith, honors that repentance, and he gets, uh, he gets uh, born again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. We worship you. Father, truly... Uh, how can we understand your workings? Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, we're, we're thankful uh, for, for the love that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. We're thankful for the gospel that goes out to the whole world. We're thankful, Father, that, uh, that we can look at people, anyone that we would speak to, and look them in the eye and know that God would want them to be saved. And Father, we can look them in the eye and know that God has made a way for them to be saved. And Father, I'm, thank you for, I'm thankful for that. Father, I'm humbled and at your judgment of the world. And I know that our life, our times are in your hand. Our very breath, as Daniel uh, wrote, is, is in your hand. And, and Father, we thank you. We praise you for your loving care. Each one of us here has, <clears throat> has a testimony of salvation. And we thank you, God, uh, that, uh, that you've saved us, Father. And you've given us the opportunity to serve you. And I pray that you would help us now. Uh, you have said that John Baptist was, was, was uh, not been a greater prophet than him, but that he was least. He is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We have so much of a greater message than John because we know the truth we know the resurrection we know what you finished for us on Calvary we know the testimony of your apostles who saw you rise, risen again we know the promise of your return Father we have a greater prophecy than even John a greater truth to tell a greater hope to give to the world and I pray Lord that you'd help us to, be, to continue to be faithful to share that, give us uh, direction as we look now into these COVID times and, and, uh, and doing what you'd have us to do in regards to that. We pray for your, for your wisdom and grace and direction there. And Father, we do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.